Richard Walker, and today I want to talk about Annie Chapman. This is the second of Jack the Ripper's victims, and she was discovered in a yard behind 29 Hanbury Street on September the 8th, so just eight days after the murder of Polly Nichols, and the day after Polly Nichols' funeral, and during the inquest into Polly's death. The body was discovered at six in the morning, and Inspector Chandler arrived just ten minutes later. In his report, written the same day, he said he sent for the divisional surgeon, Dr. Phillips, who stated that the woman had been dead for at least two hours. He also says that the woman has been identified by Timothy Donovan, deputy at Crossingham's Lodging House, 35 Dorset Street, Spitalfields, who states he has known her about 16 months as a prostitute, and for past four months she had lodged at Above House, and at 1.45am on September the 8th, she was in the kitchen, the worse for liquor and eating potatoes. He, Donovan, sent to her for the money for her bed, which she said she had not got, asked him to trust her, which he declined to do. She then left, stating that she would not be long gone. He saw no man in her company. Then Inspector Chandler gives her description. Description given is Annie Liffey, age 45, length five feet, complexion fair, hair wavy, dark brown, eyes blue, two teeth deficient in lower jaw, large thick nose, dress, black figure jacket, brown bodice, black shirt, lace boots, all old and dirty. Acting Superintendent West added that the murder appeared to have been committed by the same person who committed the murder of Polly Nichols in Bucks Row. So who was she? And where did she come from? Her mother was Ruth Chapman, who, as a young teenager, had moved from the countryside of southern England to work in London. Her father was George Smith, who had left Lincolnshire when he was 15. Being bred in the country rather than in polluted London, he was a strong, healthy lad, and although under age, he got himself enlisted into the lifeguards. George and Ruth were still in their early 20s when their daughter, Annie Eliza Smith, was born. Sometime in September 1841, over the next dozen years, the family grew so that Annie ended up with five younger siblings. One big advantage of growing up in an army family was that they were able to attend the regimental school. Like Polly Nichols, Annie received an education up to the age of 15. She could read and write, and as a girl, she learned a range of needlework skills. Her childhood was spent in a very different world to that of Whitechapel. Annie grew up between Kensington and Windsor, but even elegant Kensington was not immune to disease, and in 1854, Annie and her parents watched helplessly as four of her five siblings died in the space of just three weeks. Three died of scarlet fever and one of typhus. It had to have been devastating for Annie and her parents. However, George and Ruth appear not to have been defeated. Ruth gave birth to two more daughters and... In 1861, 20-year-old Annie got a new brother. By then, Annie was working as a housemaid in Duke Street, and her father had become valet to his commanding officer. Then in 1862, his commanding officer left the army, and at the age of 43, Annie's father followed him to continue as his valet. The following year, while he and his master were visiting Wrexham, George was discovered in his hotel bed. He had cut his throat with his razor. For Annie, 
Her mother and her siblings, this must have been yet another family tragedy to be dealt with. It seems Ruth rolled up her sleeves and did what was necessary. She moved into 29 Montpellier Place, Knightsbridge, a house that allowed her to take in paying guests. One of those guests was a young coachman who shared the same surname as Ruth's own maiden name, Chapman, although it seems that was mere coincidence. At some point, John Chapman met Annie, and they obviously got on because 27-year-old Annie married the 24-year-old coachman. They memorialized their marriage with a studio photograph, which shows them looking respectable and confident. Her husband was not a hackney cab driver, but a coachman to a wealthy family, which placed him in the upper ranks of the family's servants. Ten years after their wedding, they moved with their two daughters to Windsor. John Chapman had done well. He'd found a position as head coachman to the very wealthy Francis Tress Barry, who had a country estate that enjoyed a magnificent view of Windsor Castle. For Annie, living conditions were a great improvement. Their coachman's cottage offered a comfort level above anything she would have experienced in London. Life was good for Annie Chapman. As Hallie Robinhold writes in her excellent book, The Five, The Untold Lives of the Women Killed by Jack the Ripper, she writes... This might have been Annie's story in its entirety. It might have ended in quiet, middle-class comfort on a gentleman's estate, with the Chapmans carefully saving their pennies to pay for their children's schooling and John's retirement to a little house in Windsor. The girls might have grown up and married middle-class men, a shopkeeper, clerk, even a solicitor. The courses of all their lives might have ended quite differently had Annie Chapman not been an alcoholic. Well, that's the first part of Annie Chapman's little history here. Um, but join me for part two in my next podcast. Thank you for listening. And uh, I hope that I'll get to meet you. Maybe on one of my Jack the Ripper's Whitechapel walks. Uh, so this is Richard Walker saying thank you for listening. And goodbye. <laughs>